Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. Thank you, praise team. What a powerful time together of just worshiping the Lord. And as he always does, he meets us right in the middle of our worship, doesn't he? In fact, that's what Jesus said, that he is searching for worshipers. That's what he's looking for. So if you have sometimes in your life where you feel like you're having a hard time finding God, God, where are you? Let me encourage you, if you'll begin to worship him, he'll find you. Because he's looking for worshipers. I'm thankful for a church full of worshipers. <laughs> we live a lifestyle of worship. I uh, want to just continue with this series, as you know, as we have been in soul care. And Miss Cammie, the Lord just, uh, I think, birthed something in her a few Sundays ago when she brought that message to us on soul care, and it was so powerful, and I just couldn't leave it alone. I'm just going to be honest with you. It just kept churning and, and uh, just uh, in my heart, and so we just have been continuing Pastor Craig as well, and boy, it's been some really good, helpful. I believe this series has not only been timely, but it's been helpful. I really believe, church, this is a message, this is a series that we all need. We all need, we all from time to time need a little help. And I want to get right into it. I want to talk today about, with the Lord's help, overcoming depression. I'm going to cheer you up today by speaking on how to overcome depression. (laughs) Hallelujah. I believe I can do it because the word of God will lift us up. That's what it does wherever we may be. And so, in fact, I was searching, doing a word search, getting ready, and I was looking for another uh, scripture altogether, but I came on this one. And I want to go right out of the gate with this one because I think this is one you can write down and, 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 and hold on to. But I want to, first of all, give you Proverbs 12, 25. Let's look at it up on the screen. This one so ministered to me. Are you ready for it? You ready for the word? I believe that you are. You ready to study the word together? I believe that you are. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. It's in the word, church. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word. (laughs) A good word makes it glad. I believe, church, every time we come together and get in God's word, God's word, church. Can I tell you what the goal is through this series, church? The goal is for you and I to find healing, wholeness, transformation, and freedom. I want to share with you another scripture and then we'll get into our text, but I couldn't leave this one alone either as I was just preparing. And it's one that we all, most of us have heard and most of us could quote, but I want you to see something today as we're talking about soul care and overcoming depression. Isaiah 53, 5, you can write this one down, it'll be up on the screen. But he, we know who he is, Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now, I want you to hear this and see this. I have never seen this before. And by his stripes, watch this, we are healed. 
It does not say that by his stripes we are coping. It does not say by his stripes we are getting by. It does not say that by his stripes we are just managing our pain. It says by his stripes we are healed. Now hear me very clearly. If you are taking medication and it is helping you, please, by all means, continue to take that medication. We know that when we're talking about soul care and mental health, we understand that there is a biological side to this. We understand that there is a psychological side to this. Okay? I'm not a psychologist. I am an associate pastor. <laughs> so what I'm going to bring to, to you today is the other side, which is a spiritual side. There's a biological side, there's a psychological side, and then there is a spiritual side. In fact, if you just heard what I just said, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And all three of those areas, church, I believe, need our attention. See, you could, you could hear the most dynamic, powerful, life-changing message today on soul care. And I believe you will, because God's word is that powerful and dynamic. But if you are not sleeping at night, if you are not eating right, if you are not addressing the biological side of it, it's possible that it won't help you. And I'm not negative, I'm very positive. But it's the truth. So there's a biological side. But I want you to see the goal. The goal is this. For you and I, church, to experience from God's word. What was the motivation for Jesus being on the cross? It was his love for you and I. So I want you to hear me today. I've come with a word in my heart. Love heals. We are a church that is going to proclaim and proclaim and proclaim until we can't proclaim it no more. How much God loves you. There is a God in heaven that loves you right where you are. Knows you right where you are. And he loves you and accepts you right where you are. And when you come to know that firsthand, just how much you are loved by the Father. Love heals. Love transforms. Love brings freedom. And so now I want to go to our text, 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at a man in the Bible who, by the way, was one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament. One of the major prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah. Who, if we just would go even to the New Testament, I won't take the time to take you there. But it was Elijah, along with Moses, who appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. <laughs> so Elijah, we understand from Scripture... He was a, uh, exalted to a very high place. And we're going to look at verse nine, uh, chapter 19. But what we have to understand is what happened in chapter 18. He had just come off of one of, oh, one of his most highest moments in his journey as a prophet. Calling down fire from heaven. Defeating the prophets of Baal. Killing over 850 prophets by the sword. Then, not after, right after that, just a few verses down, he prays during the middle of a three-year drought, no rain. He prays for rain, and God sends rain. 
But now we just go to the very next chapter and I want you to see what happens, what he's dealing with. In chapter 19, let's begin in verse 1. And now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. That's what I just told you. The calling down from fire, the calling down fire from heaven. The praying for rain and watching rain fall after a three-year drought. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and now he had, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Now watch what happens. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Why? All because of a threat. We're going to learn about the enemy's tactics today. What what Jezebel said out of her mouth, it was a lie. It was a threat. It was something that never happened. In fact, she didn't even go to him herself. The Bible says she sent a messenger. Now, in those days, kings didn't mess around. When they wanted somebody killed, they'd just take them out. But just look at it for what, just look at it for what it says there. She didn't even do that. She just sent a messenger that told Elijah, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what she's going to do to you. A threat, a lie. And today, church, I believe that's part of overcoming depression. We're going to understand today what a stronghold is by definition, according to Scripture. A stronghold is this. I, I can't even wait. I had it down in my notes a little later, but I can't wait. A stronghold by definition According to the word of God, it's simply when you and I believe a lie to be true. That's when we got a stronghold. A stronghold is a thought. And it is when you and I believe a lie to be true. That's what a stronghold is. But let's keep reading. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed. Watch this now. This is where he was. This is where we find Elijah in chapter 19. And he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than any of my ancestors. Dealing with depression. Very dark moment. A very dark time. Verse 5, then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep all at once. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Notice, addressing the physical, the biological again. Come on, I'm here to tell you this is important. Notice when the angel of the Lord came to Elijah, the first thing he said, the angel said, was not spiritual. Wasn't pray more, wasn't, you know, get up and eat. Drink some water. Take care of your body. That's important. That's important. Get up and eat. And he looked around and there by him was his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Notice the first thing the angel ministered to was his physical needs, his body, wanting him to eat and to drink water. And he ate and drank and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Notice addressing the physical needs. It's important, church. 
It's important that we are eating the right things. I am not a, I am not a, a dietitian either. You can probably tell. <laughs> I like to eat. I like food. I like bread. I know it's not good for you. I, I, I like bread. But I am discovering something at 55 years of age. I have to stay away of cert- from certain things. There's just certain things I don't eat anymore. There's certain th- drinks I don't, I do not drink any. I'm not, I'm, let, me, let me just be real. On occasion, but as a lifestyle, choices that I've made, I do not drink soft drinks. I do not drink soft drinks anymore, whether it's diet or not diet. I just don't. I just, but the, they don't do my body right. I don't like the way I feel after I drink them. And I think that's important. That's important for us to understand that there's a physical side of this too, that we have to take care of our body. There's things that we ought to be eating things, church, that are, that are, that are, that are good for us and not just, um, come on, this is the culture that we're living in today. Come on. I know those cheeseburgers are good, but come on. There comes a point where we have to understand we, we got to make choices that will help us, church, because we are a physical body, we have a soul, and we are a spirit. They all work together. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, enough about that. Okay, let's keep going here. Verse 8, so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened. Watch that. You see that? Strengthened by the food. Strengthened. But if you've not been eating, I want to tell you, eat. If it's been hard for you to eat, 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 eat. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, here's where we find him in verse 9. Then he went into a cave. You know, depression can kind of be when you're there, it seems like you are in a cave, a very dark place. I've been there. I'm just going to be honest with you. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And the Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. Now watch this. Watch what depression will do to you. When you study your Bible, Elijah, when he said, I'm the only one left, he was not the only one left. Now, here's the kicker. He knew he was the only one, not the only one left. Because when you read the chapter prior, Obadiah told him that there were other prophets. But do you see what happens when you get in a dark place? It's called self-talk. And we're going to get to it in just a little bit. Ruminating. Oh, yes, self-talk. He starts talking and feeding himself. And it even comes out and and he's talking to God about it. But I'm the only one left. Look at... I'm the only one left. And he, he started believing. Come on. It happens. It happens. If it happens to a prophet, a man of God, chosen, appointed, anointed, it can happen to you and I. He was believing a lie. I'm the only one left. When he knew, he had already been told that he wasn't. But that's what happens. And that's why we're talking about it today. And how we overcome, how we overcome these thoughts. There is a way, church, to overcome. There is a way to freedom. There is a way to healing and wholeness and transformation. And I believe the Lord shows us how. I believe that's why we've been in this series, to show us how to get there. I'll stop there in verse 10, but I wanted to show you that. I believe that there are some causes that we can find in just this, these few verses I just read to you. Some causes, some things that Elijah did 
to get him in that cave, that place of depression. And if you are helped today by this message, I want to encourage you to please come back Wednesday night or watch online if you physically cannot be here because of your schedule. I'm throwing this out there right now because Wednesday night, this morning we're going to talk more about from God's Word, and I'm going to show you from God's Word how we can get into the cave of depression. Wednesday night, I want to show you with the Lord's help, same story, still looking at Elijah's life. We see how he gets in, but next time, Wednesday night, I want to show you how he gets out. So this is a two-part. If you just get today, you're just going to be like a bird flying with one wing. You're only getting half of it. You don't want to leave you in the cave. We want to come out of the cave. But let's get into this. I believe the first thing we see that, that caused for Elijah, yes, the powerful man of God that he was, finds himself in a cave of depression. I believe the first key we see or the first cause was he was comparing himself to others. Comparison. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And you know, church, can I just preach to where we are today? We all are on social media. We all, most of us, if not all of us. And that church, that <laughs> we have to be careful. Because sometimes we can catch ourselves scrolling and before we know it, we're comparing ourselves. We've taught this before to somebody else's highlight reel. They don't really look like that. <laughs> but we, don't, we have to be careful because we don't want to com start comparing ourselves to other people because comparison is the thief of joy. And social media church, in fact, research tells us today that social media is actually reshaping the minds of this culture. Because we're always there. We're always, that's, where we are, that's where we are communicating. We're all, it's always in front of us. And research today tells us it is actually reshaping our minds. And I'm here to tell you, church, I'm here to tell you, we have to be, our mind has to be reshaped by the word of God, not social media. Hey, we can use social media for good. We are wanting to use it to help grow our church. If it is something we can use to help get the word out, Praise God. So I'm not against social media, but I want you to hear this. this is, I'm talking about causes for depression. When you, find yourself, look, when you find yourself on social media and you begin to compare yourself to somebody else, and that's when Elijah, I'll show you when Elijah said, I'm no better than any of my other ancestors. I read it to you. What did that have to do with anything? I'm just, I, just, I just like to read the word the way it reads. What did that have to do with anything? I'm, I'm no better than any of my ancestors. But you see, if you look between the lines, he's comparing himself to other people. Comparing himself. And I want to just show you now a couple of other places I want to take us in the word. Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride, and that's a good pride. That's a holy pride in himself without comparing himself to, do you see that? To somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. <laughs> Come on. We're not responsible for other people. We're just responsible for, for who we are. So we don't want to compare, but come on, church. Wow. Ooh. It's, it's a cause. 
It happens if we're not careful. But I'm thankful that the Word of God shows us we don't have to compare ourselves. We have to be careful. Number two, I'm going to move quickly. Don't worry. This is the one where I want to spend a little time. I've kind of already touched on it. The second cause I think we find in Elijah's life was ruminating and self-talk. Number one was comparing yourself with others. Number two is ruminating and self-talk. What is ruminating? That's constantly processing your thoughts. You've heard of ruminating animals. A cow is a ruminating animal. The reason a cow is a ruminating animal is because a cow will continually chew on the cud and continually chew and continually chew. And then you know what they do. Then they swallow and then they bring it back up and then they continue to chew and they continue to chew and they continue. That's called ruminating. That's what that means. If you look up the definition in the dictionary for ruminate, that's what that is there. A chewing on cud. Uh, just a constant chewing. You know, church, that's sometimes what we do with our thoughts. Just a constant chewing, constant chewing, constant chewing. And if we're not careful, if we're not chewing on the right thing, it's a cause of depression. I'm just being real. I just want to give it to you the way the Lord gave me. And we see that in the life of Elijah. I just read it to you. When he was like, God's people has walked away from their covenant. They've torn down the altars. I'm the only one left. See what he's doing? Ruminating. Self-talk. Just talking. Processing those thoughts. And you know what? I believe one of the dangers is when we get alone with our thoughts. I've seen this firsthand. You do not want to be alone with your thoughts. That's why we have a church. That's why we have a church family. That's why we were designed. Come on. Come on. You've heard it said, you do you. I'm just I'm preaching to the culture today. You do you. I've said that. I got to do me. Wait a minute. When you really understand God's word, it's not about you do you. It's about how about us do us. That's where the, the, the anointing is in the connection. The power is in the connection. The transformation, the renewal, the healing, the wholeness, it's in our connection. Not in our aloneness. It's in our connection, but it can happen. See, when we ruminate and self-talk, just processing those thoughts, and oftentimes they're, like Elijah, they're negative thoughts. They're not true. I, you're not the only one left, Elijah. But, yes, but yet he's processing that, and he's ruminating on that, and he's chewing on that. So, Pastor Manny, what do we do? Instead of chewing on that self-talk, church, we chew on the Word of God. Instead of taking in that negative, come on. We take in the word of God. And that's what we do every time we come to church. We take in the word of God. 95% of our emotions are determined by the way we talk to ourselves. You can talk yourself happy or you can talk yourself into a cave. It's what's coming out. What are we chewing on? I want, I want to encourage you, church. We are going to chew on the word of God. Now, let, let me get into this. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 
Are you ready? Watch this. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Talking about our thoughts. This will help you. That's why I'm spending a little time here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the pulling down of what? Strongholds. I already gave you the definition of what a stronghold is. It's what we've been talking about. A stronghold is simply when you and I believe a lie to be true. That's what a stronghold is. Because watch, if we keep reading in verse 5, it says casting down arguments. There it is. What we're chewing on, what we're thinking on, the arguments. What we're chewing on, what we're thinking on, the negative thoughts. And every high thing that, ex- that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See that? Against the word of God. You see? And then it says this, then we bring every thought, there it is, there it is, thought. It's every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what was Paul getting at there? Well, church, here's, the, here's, here's what I want you to hear. We can either take every thought captive by the word of God, or we can allow every thought take us captive. And we find ourselves in a cave. We find ourselves ruminating. We find ourselves comparing ourselves with others. We find ourselves struggling with our thoughts, with our emotions. But now watch this. It's not the thoughts that come and go that get us. It's the thoughts that come and stay. The thoughts are going to come. In fact, psychology teaches us that once we have a thought, you have 30 seconds from the time you have that thought before it becomes a feeling. And if we entertain those negative thoughts, watch this. In 30 seconds, you no longer have just a negative thought. You have a negative feeling to accompany that negative thought. So that's why what I'm teaching you right now is vitally important because that's what Paul was saying. When the thoughts come, you have 30 seconds to pull it down. If it's not a good thought, if it's not helping you, if you know it's not something, if it's a negative thought, if it's any thought that is contrary to what God's word says about you. You have 30 seconds to pull that thought down. You have 30 seconds to quit chewing on that and start chewing on the word, which is the truth, which is what It's how you cannot do, you cannot combat negative thoughts. I'm doing okay today, Craig. You cannot battle negative thoughts if you don't know the word of God. The good thoughts, what God says about us, what God's word says about us, what his word tells us to think on. That's why Paul went on in another place, Philippians, think on these things, whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, whatever is of good report, think on these things. So you cannot combat negative thoughts. You can't take those thoughts captive if you don't know what to take them captive with, which is the word of God. Man, soul care. How do we overcome Those thoughts of depression. I'm helping you do it today by the word of God. Taking every thought captive. That's what we do. We take every thought captive. Now let me help you. Another way, church, I think we can do this. And I thought this was really cool because this goes along with Pentecost Sunday. (laughs) Jesus said 
And in fact, I love how the, the Lord does this. But Miss Tracy was talking about the Holy Spirit, how he would come alongside. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself, but I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he will come, John 14, John 16. And it says, and he would do what? Lead you and guide you into all truth, into what is right, into what God's word says about you. But now watch this. Watch this. If the Holy Spirit comes to lead and guide, then I believe, church, part of that leading and guiding is in our mind. We've taught you in this church to be good stewards. That you and I are not owners of anything. We are simply stewards and managers. We want to do our best to teach you how to steward your finances, how to manage your money, how to manage your finances, how to manage your marriage, how to manage. But why are we not talking enough about how to manage your thoughts? How do we manage our thoughts properly? By the one who comes and leads and guides. The Holy Spirit is their church. To help you, lead you, and guide you. Watch this in your thought life. To discern when something needs to be pulled down and replaced with truth. Hallelujah. Number three, the inability to process pain in a healthy way. Oftentimes, when we find ourselves, whew, we go through things in life, don't we? We go through difficult times. Difficult times are going to come. Well, Pastor Manny, can you be a little more positive this morning? I'm positive that difficult times are going to come. <laughs> How's that? It's going to happen. But here's the kicker. How do we overcome? How do we overcome depression? Here it is. Here it is right here. What do we do? When the trouble comes, do we shrink back and go back to our old ways? A lot of people medicate when the trouble comes. A lot of people go to a substance when trouble comes. But church, I'm here to tell you what we ought to do when trouble comes because it comes. But church, what do we do when the trouble comes? We trust God. Because we know, church, that we understand that he is there when we are in the trouble. He's right there with us. We trust God. He's an ever-present time in, uh, in time of trouble. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. So we trust God. And here's what I'm learning, church. If we go through trouble, nothing is ever wasted with God. Somebody might just be there today, and I'm almost done. Hang with me only got two more to go but you find yourself in that place of just discouragement defeat maybe in a dark like Elijah just in a dark place maybe depressed full of anxiety I understand how that's a real thing and how that really happens but I want to encourage you that when if you're there today you understand that there is nothing that we go through in life come on and I said nothing no thing nothing we go through in life is ever in God's economy it's never a waste and if he allows us to go through it watch this I'm going to show you I'm going to show you all in God's word how this happens how this works if he allows us to go through it church it's because he has a purpose in it and you got to understand there's purpose in our pain. 
2 Corinthians 1, 4 and 6. Let me read it to you. I'll let the word do the talking. This is Paul again talking about how we ought to be, we can be comforted in all of our trouble. There it is. You see that? He's not denying the troubles. Paul was one who knew trouble firsthand. Firsthand. Had many troubles, many trials. But he says, here's what he's teaching us, that we can be comforted in all of our troubles. Why? Here's why. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort from which we ourselves are comforted from God. Watch verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, come on, the trouble's there. But so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now watch this. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective during and for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Do you see that? If we are comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. Do you see what Paul is saying there? The troubles that we go through, church, we don't just go through troubles just to go through troubles. But oftentimes when we're there, oftentimes that's kind of our thinking process. Woe is me. Where are you, God? I, I didn't see this coming. I don't under, even understand. And I'm not minimizing anybody's trouble this morning. We all face it. And it's a real place. I get that. But you have to understand if you'll trust God, because he's there. And if he allowed it to happen, he is, he, is, he is allowing it to happen for a reason. There's purpose, church, in our pain. And what our purpose is, church, is so that when we, come on, when we see God bring us through, hallelujah, raise your hand if you've seen God bring you through some stuff, some trouble. Look at all these hands. You want to know why our hands are up? You want to know why? Because what we go through in life, church, it's not... It's not just for us. It's, it's not just to say, well, look what I went through. It's so that other people can look at our life and say, we can comfort them with the comfort we have received. That's how we get out. Because you understand something. I need somebody to hear this. What you went through does not disqualify you. What you went through actually qualifies you. To speak into somebody else's life. To tell somebody else how you made it through with God's help. How you came out of the cave. And that's the goal, church. It's to come out. We all get there from time to time. But the key is, church, we don't stay there. We don't stay there. All right, so that's three. I got two more. How about isolation and loneliness? Just recently, you know, this was a real challenge. Come on. The phrase social distancing. And I get it. We dealt with a real pandemic and we needed to quarantine. We needed to separate ourselves. But I don't think that was the best way we could have said it when all this broke out in 2020. Social distancing. I think physical distancing would have been a little bit more appropriate because church, when we are going through tough times, that's the last thing we want to do is social distance. That's when we need each other more than ever when we are going through something. And what does the enemy do? What happened to Elijah? Isolated him. Watch this. I'll show you what, what, what he said. What he said. It was when he said he left his servant there. He was with his servant. 
And he said, I'll read it to you again. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He wanted to be alone. Isolation. That's a cause for depression. Not letting anybody in. You know, oftentimes we do that because we think, again, it's all right here. We think we can handle it on our own. We were never meant to handle life on our own. We need God, first of all. We need his word. We need his spirit that leads us and guides us. I cannot underscore that enough. In fact, I heard in my heart in these last five minutes I have, if you are born again and you are, you are serious about your relationship with God and you want all that God has for you, no one will ever pressure you in this church to do anything, but we do want to lead you. We do want to shepherd you. We do want to make things available to you that are available to you according to the word. And if you are here today and you are saved, born again, you love God with all of your heart and you have purposed in your heart to follow him and you want all that he has for you. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I heard the Spirit of God say this very clear. We cannot effectively talk about soul care and helping people come out if we do not include the role of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that brings us the power that we need to overcome. When you don't know what to do, He will show you what to do. When you don't know that you're going to be able to make it to tomorrow, He will help you make it to tomorrow. The last one, it's spiritual warfare. And this is one that psychology don't talk about. <laughs> I thank God for good Christian Psych psychologists help a lot of people. Thank God. But church, if that's all, if, if all of our discussion is just biological, psychological, and no spiritual, then we leave a very important element out. And that's why we're here. We want to give you the spiritual aspect, the spiritual side. Spiritual warfare. And you want to know where the battleground is? Right here. In fact, I'm going to end right on time. I don't need to talk a whole lot about spiritual warfare. You know why? Because I've been talking about spiritual warfare in this message. I've showed you. I've given you tools. I've given you the word. I've shown you what to do with the thought. Within that 30-second time frame, I've showed you what to do. That's warfare. That's why Paul, when I read it to you, he said, our, the weapons of our what? Warfare are not carnal. That's where the war is. That's where the battle is. And church, you got to understand something. We have been equipped. We have what we need. But oftentimes, and just like with this story, don't forget, Wednesday night, we'll see how he came out. And it's powerful. It's practical things that we do. I'm giving you practical things you can do today. But now watch this. It all started, this story that I read to you today, it all started, I read it to you, with a lie from the enemy. It was a lie. It never happened. 
But Jezebel, that spirit, that lion spirit wanted Elijah to believe it. But it never happened. So in closing, I just want to encourage you with this. God has given us the authority over the enemy. You, I'll give you one more scripture. I'll let let the word do the talking. I'm going to go back to one I had and then we're going to pray. Romans, excuse me. um, Yeah, Romans 8 and 6. I went out of order, but if we can find Romans 8 and 6. Watch this. Talk about warfare. Here it is. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's the goal. Life and peace. A better word I found that that word controlled. But the mind controlled by the Spirit. A better word is, but, but the mind governed by the Spirit. That word govern means to steer. In other words, but a mind that is led. Again, the Holy Spirit leads us, even in our thoughts. We manage our thoughts. We manage our life. We control our thoughts. We control our life. How do we do it? I showed you how today. Who's in control? The enemy's not in control. Come on. Your past failures are not in control, not if you don't let them. What somebody said about you, what somebody did to you or didn't do to you, that's not, they're not in control. Come on, showing you in this series how to allow the word of God to control our thoughts, how to let the Holy Spirit lead us and govern our thinking. Hallelujah. So we can overcome depression, anxiety, whatever it is. And we can live a life of peace in Jesus' name.